Season 4, Episode 4, Stats Don't Matter. Seahawks stay undefeated at hashtag Luminist. Tim, we're going to take some stock of NFL teams that are in TRBL trouble five weeks into the season. We're also going to give our takeaway from this year's Ryder Cup. A couple other quick hits in our cups this week. It's a farmhouse sale from New Glarus, Wisconsin. If you don't already know which one it is, you don't drink craft beer. And the other one is an Imperial Stout from Middleton, New York. Follow us on Instagram at Stats Don't Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast for all things beer and sports. And find Stats Don't Matter wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to do it backwards. Google, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. I had to read the notes. But uh, Tim, let's get into the show. I think I started last week. You did. So yep. You give this one. I'm going to attempt to open uh, this 12 ounce beer bottle. Look at this. New Glarus Brewing Co. Spotted Cow. Okay. Every drop of Wisconsin's original farmhouse ale is artisan brewed and bottled by the hardworking employee owners of New Glarus Brewing Co. Right there in little New Glarus, Wisconsin. Spotted Cow adheres to Ryan's Gaboot, Purity Law Bottle, using four hand selected all natural ingredients yeast, hops, water, and malted barley. We allow yeast to remain in the bottle to enhance the flavors of fullness so it's naturally cloudy. Expect the sale to be fun, fruity, satisfying. You know you're in Wisconsin when you see the Spotted Cow. Only in Wisconsin. And of course, if you don't know, that's the only place you can get Spotted Cow is in Wisconsin. How did I get this one? Well, this you know, cows are migratory, right? They, they like to move all over. And this one happened to hop a couple fences and uh, find its way over here. So I particularly am very, very excited about this. Um I must not drink craft beer because I don't know if I've ever heard You've of New Glarus. Never heard of New Glarus Spotted Cow? Well, at the, actually, that makes sense because you're a you're an Imperial Stout Choco boy, if you will. So uh, I don't like farmhouse hills. But Ugh. you're killing me. You're killing me. Um, beautiful little pour here. Let's go. Smells like a farmhouse hill. That's for sure. You know, I don't see any sediment in the bottom though. Uh, nope. Okay, I thought I did. Let's go. Oh, very beautiful. Um, you know, Tim, your weather may precipitate it so that uh, it's that weather, but it was 85 degrees here today, so I'm holding on to summer, not letting it go. Oh, it, was, it was 80 here, Oh, too. my. Uh, it was 50 when we woke up, though. Yep. That's where we're at now. Uh, yeah, very, very nice, effervescent, very fresh. It's got a little bit of, uh, little bit of body to it for a farmhouse sale. I don't mind it. Real excellent on a hot summer day, and it is not uh, the day anymore. So I'm going to give this one <laughs> a 3.8. Very refreshing. Very good. Very good. All right. <clears throat> I've got myself a little treat here. Uh, my birthday last birthday. week. Birthday. Um, it's your birthday. I decided to swing by and grab myself a little <clears throat> treat from the local packy. And uh, they happen to have a couple of these equilibrium bottles that I didn't even know were getting distributed. So uh, this is stacked pistachio chocolate honey cake. It's an imperial stout with pistachios, honey, cacao nibs, and cake mix. But did, did they so, just open the box and just throw it in? <laughs> what the, what sure. the fuck were they I'm doing sure that's there? That's exactly what they did. All right. Uh, this is going to be really sweet, and I don't mind sweet sometimes as long as it's not uh too crazy but this bad boy's 
coming in 11%. So we'll see what we got here. Oh, yeah. What is... Yeah. I had, a, I had a similar one last week, and I shared it with my wife, and she had a very good way of explaining it. It, like, coated your mouth a little mm -hmm. bit, which was a little, uh, almost, like, oily, but it didn't have, like, an oily taste. It was, it was interesting, but, all right. It smells, this smells sweet. It has a standard brewery smell, though. Like, all craft beers yeah. smell the same. All of them. My wife is big and like putting her nose in the glass and smelling it first. I'm like, don't, don't, don't smell it. Because it's going to be the same every time and it's not her favorite. <laughs> but... Oh. Okay. Wow. That is a, uh, it's like a, that is one of the more intense like waves of flavor i think i have experienced in a really long time i gotta mm. 42,000 sips everyone knows the rules man that's nuts so it starts with like your traditional sort of mildly bitter coffee flavor up front from the stout and then some of the cocoa and chocolate slide in a little bit of honey, and then the cake finishes, but you can taste each one of those like very distinctly. And it is exactly like taking a bite of like a rich chocolate cake with honey on it. It's exactly how I would describe this thing. It um this is this is this is damn good. Three eight five incoming folks. Get ready. I I dare say, blindfolded, this could compete with some of the other big boys okay. that I've All had right. previously. Uh, it isn't. It isn't overly sweet. Like it, it's definitely sweet. It's got it's got honey and cake in it, but it's more like a residual sweetness. Like just sitting here, I have sort of this chocolatey honey afterglow, and I'm like just chilling out in my taste buds right now, which is actually very, very nice. I thought this was just going to be, uh, you know, when you get a lot of lactose and it's just a punch of sweetness and it's too much. This is phenomenal. I could drink... I mean, you're probably going to have a bottle and be good, you know, because it's a dessert style, but this is one of the few that if I had another bottle, I would open this up tomorrow and try it. I'd hate to know how many calories are in this thing. It's probably a million, but uh, I'm going to give this one uh Four, six. Oh shit! Was not ready for that. Four six. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is dang. This is up there with one of the better ones I've had in like the last two years. This is. Hmm. Wow. That is. Um... Wow. And like the pistachio. Like I don't know. People hear pistachios, but if you've never had pistachio muffins mm -hmm. or anything like that, they're actually really sweet. Surprisingly enough. And that comes in pretty strong too. So I'm I'm gonna find this beer and I'm going to buy more of this beer. And then while you're doing <laughs> your first game, I'm gonna call my wife in here to try this <laughs> and see what she says. <laughs> Blind taste test number two. All right, let's start Browns Ravens. It was a bad week for you and picks, Tim. Happy birthday to you, but uh, whatever you wish for, it wasn't picks because that didn't happen. Um I think that there was a lot to to go on with this game, right? The Browns obviously 
without Deshaun Watson playing. So they had a they had a backup quarterback. Of course, we know they're on their backup running back. Um, it it was something, right? The Ravens are going to need to win games like this all year long, right? They're not always going to get lucky and face a backup team with like literally next to no real reason to outright win a game, even with that defense. Um, but that being said, you smoke a division opponent 28 to three. You will take that to the bank any day of the week. Lamar, four total touchdowns, two of them to Mark Andrews. So if you were waiting for Mark Andrews to finally give you a fantasy performance, this was it, right? We know that there are still issues that are there in Baltimore. Okay, the division is weird right now because Baltimore has won a couple games and Cleveland slipping, Cincinnati slipping, Pittsburgh slipping. The AFC North is theirs for the taking. This is what they need to do. Win these division games early in the season and make sure that when it comes down to seeding later on, you're playing for the division crown. And hopefully, I mean, I don't know if... You get a few more losses. You're you're kind of out of the playoff picture now with uh, Super Wildcard Weekend. But it the strength of this team always used to be the defense and Justin Tucker, right? Their kicker, who could just kick it from anywhere on the field. Lamar has a game, doesn't exactly silence the doubters fully because again, you're paying you're playing against a backup, uh, you know, Cleveland Browns team, and it's the Browns, so you should win. But it is a good team from the beginning part of the season, and it's good that the Ravens got this. I would honestly say character win, but it's a good thing that they got this win. So I'm very happy. Ravens getting it done. Let's go. Pick one for the week. <laughs> uh, my wife is walking in right now to, to try this. Hold on. Hello, Kyle. Here you go. This is hello. Uh, You're going to be a guest appearance on the pod real quick. Don't worry. There's no video. Hey, ask, Don't ask her if she's with, I tell you is she watching Love is Blind? So my wife has this way of taking a sip and looking totally appalled. A hundred. Oh, Chelsea does it all the time, time with with Imperial. Oh, she style. thinks about it. She's like, "Oh, she's going back for a second sip, though." Do you think a confirmation? It is just a... good. Oh, it's good, not great. There's a. You know what's weird? Yeah. There's a hint of like soy sauce. <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> there is no oh, soy, soy sauce. sauce. In this. I don't know how to explain that's, that. That's great. That's soy yeah, sauce. Yeah, we can't explain yeah. it either, Kyle. Do, <laughs> we have no idea why there would be soy yeah. sauce in a beer. Imperial style with pistachios, honey, cocoa nibs, and cake mix. I got for the record, everybody. I have no soy sauce in here. <laughs> it's good though. Soy sauce is good. Soy no, sauce it's, out. I smell it. I, it doesn't smell like soy sauce. Either. He's lost his it's sense of smell, and, folks. He's they, lost his sense of smell. Uh, oh, no. Sam would like to know if you're watching Love, it. Love is, is it? Blind. Yes. Love is Blind? No. Uh, Golden Bachelor. Ask him if I should. Golden Bachelor. Golden Bachelor. You yes. watching Golden Bachelor? Yes. She wasn't going to, and she got We weren't there. either, but uh, there's... Tim, you need you need to watch. It's it's a little creepy this season, but it's hella entertaining. I didn't know that old people... I mean, I did know they could be that old and dirty, but, I mean, they really went for it week one. Really. He said he didn't know that they, uh, he didn't realize that old people would be so dirty, and they really went for it. On they did. Long. That's what I was telling you. <laughs> yeah. They really did. I, uh, I feel like I can't watch it because it'd be like watching my, my father-in-law or my grandparents <laughs> like out on a date. And then, like Kyle said, it's going to get awkward when they start doing some of the... Uh, Overnights? 
mm-hmm. overnights and whatnot. And I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, but it was better than I thought. I would agree. I would agree. Better, better than I anticipated. But is he watching Bachelor in Paradise? Ah, uh, duh. They're watching Bachelor back to backs on Thursday. Uh, he says. Okay, good. Back to backs on Thursday. So Thursdays are never a day. Of a <laughs> uh, but you, you got to watch Love Is Blind too. You know, because when you Enjoy. when you watch things like that, it just makes you feel so much better about your relationship. You just see some people who want to be famous um, so bad. It's funny. Yeah, I won't be doing that, but uh, I'll think about it. <laughs> look at me. Look uh, at me. This start- is a drama podcast now. <laughs> I started I started watching uh, Shameless. Okay. Well, I mean, I just watched the uh, non-fake version of it in real life. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get the show back Tim, on track. Happened- I'm sorry. Everything got a little what crazy. What happened there. to your Patriots? And what's happening to your uh, picks this early in the season? You... You you pick brain. You are making a lot of bad choices I'm, early I'm, in the season. I'm picking with my I'm picking too much with my heart, not enough with with my brain here. Uh, and I was really hoping we were going to ride the the success of the defense into some level of success against the Cowboys. Uh, but but that didn't happen. The Cowboys had two defensive touchdowns. Uh, they they have twelve since 2021, which is the most in the league. So. Their pass rush has been insane. Their front defensive line has just been uh, abusing teams. Uh, and if you're a betting man, here's a little tidbit uh, I didn't pay attention to that you should take with you is that coming in off of a loss, Cowboys are 9-1 over the last three seasons. So remember that next time you're placing some, some bets. Uh, but disclaimer, we're not financial advisors. Uh, we're not telling you what to do with your money. Uh, but yeah, bet on the Cowboys <laughs> after a loss. Uh, but this one was just just a mess. Three turnovers, like I mentioned earlier. There were two for touchdowns. They had 50 yards and penalties they gave up. They were 4-13 and 13 on third down conversions. They were 0-2 for fourth down tries. Running, again, was another disaster. It's the front line of this team. Just can't seem to figure their shit out, which prevents the run game from getting going. Elliott and Stevenson both combined for 46 yards total. Like, you're not going to go up against a team that's playing as well as Dallas is, who's a Super Bowl favorite in some necks of the woods, and not have any success if you can't get the game running, uh, if you can't get the, the ground game going. Uh, early on, it looked decent when Jones was able to take the snap and get the ball out quickly. Uh Shot themselves in the foot with the turnovers, lost all momentum every time they had momentum building. Um, it's just that that pass rush is just relentless, absolutely relentless. Uh, I keep holding out thinking there are signs and he's gonna be okay. I think, I think we are a little unfair on the guy because it's his first year with a true offensive coordinator coming off the back of two failed experiments. Uh, but like I'm running out of runway here, mm-hmm. trying to help mm-hmm. get this thing off the mm-hmm. ground. Zappy's not the guy. They brought Zappy in in the, the third quarter, and it didn't get any prettier. So I doubt Belichick is ever gonna go into like tank mode. It doesn't seem to be his makeup. I do see the calls on Twitter, and this is all the spoiled New England fans across the world. <laughs> Calling for firing of Bill Belichick. We all do it. We all do it. I did it. I did it for Pete Carroll. You know what I mean? We all do it. Yeah, but like defensively, this team is great, right? They they won. I mean, they lost thirty eight to three, but uh, 
remove two of those defensive touchdowns, hope that the Patriots score those two touchdowns, and we're looking at a, a, a different scenario. I still don't think this is one of those that I definitely picked with my heart, hoping that they were going to continue uh, on the right path, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm starting to... <laughs> I'm starting to get sucked into the hype, not the hype, what would you call that? What's the opposite of hype? The... It's like you're wearing rose-colored glasses almost, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> okay, I mean, that's not it, Tim. <laughs> I'm still pulling for him. No, that's not it. I'm still pulling for him. I'm still, I still think there's something there for Jones. I, I could see Jones going to another team and having success right away. Woo! I could see this being one of those, God, one of those stories think, where... fans ain't ready for that. T- yeah, I think this is just one of those scenarios where the makeup of the team is terrible. Uh, you came off some extremely poor offensive coaching for the last two years. I almost think he needs like a fresh start. If he goes somewhere, I mean, look at all the other uh, quarterbacks that we had written off at one point and is now having some success. Like, Goff was one of those guys, right? They chased him out of there, and now he's one of the only quarterbacks that's ever outperformed Patrick Mahomes. So, not that that's his general expectation, but uh, Stafford, he was always decent, but like sometimes change of pace, a change of scenery is all it takes, and I'm wondering if that ultimately ends up being what this is. I feel like the way the Jets screwed up the Tim Tebow situation doubling up on those quarterbacks with Mark Sanchez. I think both of those guys got screwed out of an NFL career because of it, and I think the same thing in terms of shitty execution and coaching experiments may have done some untimely damage to Mac Jones and his career because, I mean, you don't come out of college and forget how to play quarterback. Uh, it's just the, the looks he was given the person, the personnel he was surrounded with. Uh, he's had shitty offensive lines for the last three years since he entered the league. So it's just, it's a mess. I, they didn't want to start him right away. He got pressured into getting started right away. I know Belichick didn't want to start him. So it's like, I, I mean, the whole thing just feels unfortunate for, for him and for the way things played out. But uh, I am starting to, to you know, I'm standing in line to buy my ticket for the train to get him out and, and to get a new a new quarterback. I'm not on the train yet, but um, I'm looking at the price chart right now. Uh, <clears throat> that quarterback will be Michael Penix Jr. from University of Washington when he uh, when he comes out in the draft. Because y'all are going to be so bad, you're going to get Caleb Williams from USC. But I digress. Um, yeah, tough, tough for your boys. Uh, Vikings, Panthers. Yeah. Look, I said someone had to win. Okay. And you know who it was? It wasn't Kurt freaking Cousins that won that game. It was Harry the Hitman Smith, okay? Tim, 21-13. But what seals it was one of three Harrison Smith sacks as a safety. When a when a safety is fucking up your offensive line and getting into the backfield and taking your quarterback down, you need to talk to the all-line coach and be like, what are we doing here? Why are we not picking up protection? And then... But no place to get going that you got a safety who's coming in like a missile. It's not like this guy's new. He's been in the league a long time. He is a very, very suave veteran. And you let this dude rack up 14 total tackles, eight solo, three sacks. The other team, 
One whole sack the entire game. Jeremy Chin, also a safety. So, you know, both these teams are like, ah, nickel packages, defensive backs, dime packages, whatever. We're not going to pay attention. We're just going to throw the ball. Um, Minnesota did get some sort of offense kind of back on track. Um, Alexander Madison, almost 100 yards. Justin Jefferson, finally underneath 280 million yards a game uh, with 85 yards. Two touchdowns, though, right? So when the offense needed to be there, it was there. But make no mistake, the defense won this game for the Vikings. Now, at, at one and three, I mean, I, th- I think they're out of the race for the division crown, and who knows what next season will come. But had they lost this game and had Zach Wilson maybe not try to put it together because Taylor Swift was in the house on, on Sunday Night Football, we, we really could have seen maybe a potential Kirk Cousins to, to New York, and that would have been interesting. But now here we are. We're back. This is what the Vikings should be, defensive-minded, can get the offense going when it needs to. So what are they going to be the rest of the season? Because if I'm taking stock in this team, this team does not scare me going forward. This team can wreck a couple of uh, folks that they'll catch on a bad day. They can play trap games for you know the division leader, the Lions, who have already proven they can beat the best team in the NFL in the Kansas City Chiefs last year's Super Bowl champion. So I am not sure at this point what the Vikings are, but... If they had lost this game, we would be taking serious stock and wondering what that organization is doing. And I think it would be fair. However, I'm not going to do that. We're going to punt that conversation at least a week or more. But for the second dub, I will take it. <laughs> was it uh, was it Justin Jefferson? Someone someone called Kirk Cousins trash uh, on Twitter <laughs> after his interception this weekend. I mean, I a 99-yard pick six is... Trash category. We'll, we'll talk about another one of those here in a little bit, but uh. yeah. Um, all right, so I had Dolphins Bills, and whip, this one was whip, whip, yeah. This whip. one was uh, this one was a surprise. Not necessarily how it turned out. This is one of those games that you know I'm not concerned that this is how it played out, only because the Bills, when they're playing their best are arguably one of the better teams in football yep. over the last few years. Uh, and uh, I, I buried the lead here. Uh, I lost this pick, <laughs> obviously, because I took the Bills. And you took the Dolphins. They, I, I took the Dolphins, and they lost 48-20. to 20. Um, I did say over the last couple of weeks that I thought that uh, Allen was going to come out, and if he took care of the ball and he had something to prove and everything, I thought he was going to play amazing football and that's exactly what he's been doing over the last three games right he came out he had that rough start we were talking about how concerned we were with his turnovers and how everything uh was gonna look uh in terms of of his risk uh but another week zero interceptions zero turnovers the bills have scored 103 uh, sorry 123 points over the last three games it's the second most in any three game span in their entire franchise history. Um, Josh Allen was also on the team for their last uh, little record run, and it was 142 points between weeks uh, 15 and 17, back in 2020. Um, so it's it's exactly what you expected this team to be. It's their fifth straight 3-1 start or better. Um, the only time they they failed was his rookie season. He came, they came out one and three. 
had they got 11 takeaways this season. Uh, they had an interception and a fumble recovery uh, on Sunday. It's this team is now firing on all cylinders as long as the offense is taking care of the ball. I feel like it's a team that, as good as the defense is, they're only living up to the expectations of the the offense. And if they are forced to work harder because of turnovers, it's it's going to be a problem. But Allen had. Four passes, uh, four passing touchdowns on the day. It's his tenth game with four passing yards, so everything was working. He's ten and two, and this is this is where I said I picked with my heart instead of my brain because historically, this matchup uh, has always gone the Bills' way. Uh, I just thought the makeup of the Dolphins team and what they've done over the last few weeks was going to prove to be a problem for more teams than than usual. Uh, no, no, they're ten and two uh, against the Dolphins, including the playoffs. Uh, it's the most wins he has against any team. He's seven and at home, seven and zero at home against Miami. Uh, but Diggs had himself an incredible game. He had 120 yards. He had three touchdowns. It's the third time since he joined this team that he's had over 100 yards. So, if you have him on your team, great. If you passed up on him for any reason, you're an idiot. <laughs> Uh, the man is a yardage machine. Yep. Uh, he's generally good at turning out touchdowns. This is his third game with three touchdowns or more. Uh, the Dolphins, it's like I, I don't even know what happened between how do you go from scoring 70 points to struggling to score 20 points. I know it's a it's an opponent you struggle with. You've lost 10 of the last 11 games. You've Played against the Bills since 2008. That's including the postseason. Uh, and six of those 10 losses were by more than 15 points. So I thought it was going to be the turnaround. This is going to be the one. But Tua could not get out of his own way. He got sacked four times. Uh, it's the fifth time in his career he's been sacked four times. And every time he goes down, you can't help but like wince a little mm -hmm. bit thinking that, oh my god, here comes another injury. But uh, thankfully, he made it out okay. That team is going to be fine. Um, what? They, I mean, they, they have a emerging star in their rookie running back. Was it Devon? What is Devon Shane? Yep. Shane, yeah. I know he came out and like, correct, hey, now that I'm here, here's how you pronounce it, but he's stepping up. He's having a phenomenal game. Uh, a phenomenal season so far. If he can continue to rise and become another speed threat, which he is, that dude finds some gaps and just blows people away. Uh, but if they can get him going, I mean, to a pass to, I think, seven or eight different players who were in double-digit yardage on the day. So all of the pieces were there. They just couldn't convert on any of the important downs. They were uh, 5 for 10 on third down conversions. They never went for it on fourth down. Uh, sorry, they were 3 for 10 on third down conversions, and they failed three times in uh, fourth down attempts. It's Buffalo who didn't, who didn't try any. But uh, I think this one was just, you know, maybe not taking it as seriously, thinking they were just going to steamroll everybody. But I don't think the Bills are a team you ever count out as being a team you're just going to run through, and this is Allen and, and team hitting their sort of peak stride.
it's not a bad time of the season to do it. That's for sure. Uh, last game, I also got it correct. Seahawks Giants went to MetLife Field. Uh, wife and I, six wedding anniversary, did a little trip up in New York City. Okay, we stayed in Manhattan, did the skyline, saw the burbs. It was a, it was a real cool time. And then we got a chance to hang out with some friends and uh, go see the game. Shout out to MetLife. That's a good stadium. Good tailgating atmosphere. Uh, the fans were mostly respectful. I did have to stop Seahawks fans from starting fights, even though they won the game. Folks, don't don't be a dick when you travel to other stadiums, okay? Yeah. If you're not Conor McGregor, you should not be throwing half-eaten hot dogs at the opposing team's fans, especially in the 300 section or above. You ain't getting out of there quick enough. You ain't. You're going to get your ass handed to you. So... Thankfully, the guys behind me, very nice gentlemen. I was like, yo, young kids, just let it go. I'm sorry. Taken away from the win, man. But what a win it was. Because let me tell you, <laughs> Seahawks came to play 11 sacks. A Monday Night Football record, franchise record for the most sacks in one game. Daniel Jones pressure on nearly 60% of his dropbacks. Um, defensive backs, again, that was the script this week, if you will, in the NFL. Uh, defensive backs getting sacks. There was like four players on the Seattle team that had two sacks apiece. Um, but Devon Witherspoon's 97-yard pick six in his third NFL game and two sacks and tackles, just absolute killer. When the Seahawks took Witherspoon at number five overall, we were like, uh, okay. I thought Pete's mantra was, we can get defensive backs anywhere in the world from fifth round or, or lower. They said, hey, we needed to go get this guy. All through the preseason, we're like, what is this guy going to show? If if it's going to look like this, Pete makes complete sense, right? Um, it was a fantastic game defensively. Offensively, 3-for-13, could not get anything going. There was a moment where Gino was rolled up on and Drew Locke came in. And I'm not going to lie, okay? I'd had quite a few beers at that point, And I was like, we're going to lose this game. <laughs> I was just like, if I got to trust Mr. Dancing Fool Drew Locke to win us the game, I don't know about this. And had a couple losses, found a tight end for this toe-tapping 51-yard uh, route that was insane. Um, actually made a couple decent throws, but I was very happy post-halftime to see Geno come back in. They did what they needed to do. They took care of the ball. They win 24-3. I... If Seattle had lost this game, I would have taken stock and been like, what is Seattle doing, right? Wins solve a lot of problems. That being said, Seattle needs this week five bye. Usually I hate early bias because it's like you want your team to kind of get a nice rest in the middle of the season. But mm -hmm. um, Jamal Adams come back for over a year after he had the torn quadriceps and plays less than 10 plays before taking an inadvertent Daniel Jones knee to the head concussion has to be sort of restrained on the sideline until he can't come back in. Love to see it, but that dude's been through a lot, and he wanted to play football. I agree. I understand it. Get healthy. Come back for you know week six after the bye. Geno needs the bye. That's for sure. Uh, and it's just a good time to rest and reset. Giants, we got to take stock of what you're doing. The discourse between whether it's Dable or whether it's Jones would make sense if Jones was a blue like a blue ribbon caliber winning quarterback. He is an incredible scrambler. He can make things work when the play is not there. He cannot, and I say this, supporting Giants fans, 
He cannot do it with the tools they've given him. Imagine that you are a race car driver and we give you a Ford Escort with a turbocharger in it. It's 1.2 liters with a turbocharger. Well, it's got a turbocharger. It's still a Ford Escort. You're going you're gonna to lose to McLarens every time. That's just the way it's going to go. And that's what the Giants are right now. They signed Darren Waller. I thought last night, oof, I thought he was going to eat. Nope. Running game, couldn't get going. Seattle's defense was in the backfield almost every other play, so it's very hard for routes to develop. But there isn't a wide receiver on that team that scares me. Even Waller. Almost a, a third of the way through the season now. So, like, I hope that Dable, who was very, very angry with Jones. But, I mean, you give away two picks like that in a game that should have been a lot closer. Um, I, I can understand why he'd be mad, but, like, Giants fans, you got to go easy. Like, no Saquon. Mm. If Saquon was out there and was forcing defenses, to be honest, and Waller could actually get open and not drop passes that are thrown to him, this team could be a lot different. Right now, though, they're on a skid. And I think you have to take stock in what the team is. And right now, they're playing with, like, one arm behind their back. It's just the reality of it. You know, you'll take every single win. I'm very happy that the Seahawks went cross-country, prime time, did what they needed to do. I'm very glad the defense is showing out because Lord knows we're going to need it against the 49ers. But at the same time, like, let's let's be honest. You're supposed to beat bad teams. And you're supposed to beat teams who don't play with a full deck. That's what the Giants are right now. They're missing a couple cards in that full deck, and they're not at full potential. So, like, I feel really bad for them because their next two games are the Dolphins and the Bills. Like, how are, how are you supposed mm. to get your team up and ready for that? You know what I mean? I, I, <laughs> I don't envy the Giants fans whatsoever. There's going to be a lot... A lot of booze in a lot of booze into the future. The actual booze. Oh, for sure. No, not really. Yeah. Um <laughs> all right. So last one I'm not mad about either. Um uh, this one could have gone either way. In my and it almost did go uh either way. Broncos, Bears, thirty one, twenty eight Broncos. Um Broncos came back. 21-point deficit to yeah. win. They trailed 28-7. to 21-point comeback and the largest of Sean Payton's career, uh, even going back into college. Uh, they moved to one-on-one. So far this season, they're basically on trend with where they were last season, at least on the road. They were one for eight. So, need a little bit of a, a, a larger sample size to see if they've sort of turned the corner. Um, but, like I said, everything's sort of par for the course. Um, this one came on the back of, of Wilson. I hate to say it. It it pains me a little bit, uh, but he came in with another, uh, interception free game. Uh, it's his 36th career game winning drive. Uh, I don't, I don't remember. I think that puts him like in second place behind, I want to say it was like Stafford or something like that. Um, since 2012, I think I'm, I'm willing to bet if we went back to, like 2000 till now, or if you looked historically, Brady's probably up there. Peyton's probably up there. Maybe Rogers is probably above that. But from 2012 till now, I think it's Stafford and then, um, and then, uh, Russ. But the story of this one is just the Bears are just uh, continuing to be a dumpster fire. Even though this was a very entertaining yes, game, yes, it was. There's a lot of back and yes, forth. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, it's there's still. A dumpster fire. It's their 14th straight loss, 19th straight loss at home, and they've given up 137 points in their first four games. And this was not 
on Justin Fields. This was not his fault. He had himself a pretty decent game. He fired 16 of his first 16 consecutive passes for all completions. Uh, it's the first time that's happened to the Bears in like 45 years. He was 28-35, to 35, 335 yards. He had four touchdowns. Only had one turnover. DJ Moore came out, is slowly emerging as his favorite target. He had 131 yards and a touchdown in the second game of the season with 100 yards or more. But that's where, like, the good part ends. Mm -hmm. Everything else was the just the defensive collapses, the, the penalties, the late game issues that came up. Um, this one, you thought the Bears were going to, like, find a way to squeak this one out. Not that the Broncos are like an overly difficult team, but you thought there might be a chance for them to maybe find some positives from here, and then you come out and you blow it. Is it the Bears that had a chance to win it with their like great story kicker who missed it? Um, the Bears have had a lot of kicking woes over the past couple of years, so I'm not. Yes, but yes, they 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 went for a field goal, which they did not get. So yeah, like going into overtime. They had a chance to win it, and it wasn't like a hard kick in there. I'm trying to. I bounced around. I was watching Red Zone, so I was all over the place. But uh, I think there was. I think they had a chance to win it, and their kicker missed it, which then put the game into overtime. Mm -hmm. And then they went out and ended up ended up losing the game. But um, yeah, this one was uh, this one was tough. I mean, both teams played better than what you would expect coming into this game. Uh, but again, I call this game the Battle of the Bads. I still think it's a bad team. Um, but if nothing else, it was entertaining. I would say the only game, in my opinion, that was that was more entertaining, just from a, a back and forth perspective, is actually the Jets Chief games, with which neither of us picked. Yep. But honorable mention to oh, them. For sure. Zach Wilson almost clutched it out. He had a late turnover that ultimately ended up costing the game. But dude out. Played Mahomes and the Chiefs a little bit. I think we're starting to see some some chinks in the armor here. Uh, and maybe those chinks are Taylor Swift. I don't know. <laughs> it's me. Hi. I read I read an I'm article by us. Uh, I read an article on Sports Illustrated today where the writer uh, came out and called NBC's broadcast a total embarrassment because despite how close that game was. The random cuts to Taylor and Taylor references and Aaron Rodgers, both of which had no impact on the game whatsoever. Yeah. And you can see like snippets of it where, and I'm not knocking NBC, but you can see snippets of um, almost mistakes, I would mm -hmm. say, where uh, the Jets had like this 50 yard tough running touchdown and it shortly after the touchdown while they're out celebrating they pants taylor in the box yeah. it's like she's not a jet fan <laughs> what are you doing and then there were other snippets where like in the middle things they would literally just jump to her for like half a second and jump away or they would show they would cut the street sign names that were names of her songs it was so bizarre how much and i get it everyone's trying to ride the gravy train everyone's getting clicks and views and all that nonsense i still think you're all end up gonna end up getting played when this turns out to be some sort of orchestrated like started out as a joke and then kind of grew from there because i think this weekend it was ryan reynolds mm -hmm. uh hugh jackman blake lively yep. hugh jackman 
Uh, who else was there? I thought there was another person. Anyway, they're like she's starting to roll with people now coming to these. Sophie games. Turner. So Sophie yep. Turner. So maybe there's a Hugh Jackman Sophie Turner thing. Maybe they're trying to double. Wow, that would be so let's weird because he's like ninety and she's like twenty eight. Yeah, let's just start spreading all the rumors, though. That's great. Uh, he's newly single, and, uh, you know, Hollywood is known for trading up for a newer wow. model. So wow, 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 wow. Let's That's go, happened. Tim. Come on. You know what? You didn't say anything here. Welcome back, Russell Wilson, even if it's for two seconds. Man, my man's been on a on a multi-touchdown binge the last couple of weeks, okay? We, we were going to, if you listen to the last episode, I was like, we're going to talk about Russ this episode. We're not talking about Russ this episode. He staved off the... Uh, the issues for at least another week until he puts another duck out there. But I mean, if you're down 21 plus points and you come back, hey, you love to see it. You love to see it. All right. Yeah. You only got one correct this week. You've only had three right yeah. on the season. So you're at four, and I am at yeah. seven. Open up a bit of a gap, which means I could probably take some liberties with my picks this week, which I'm going to do. So, first game, I'm going to pick All right. Texans Falcons. Let's take stock of these teams. Falcons, I said it. I don't trust Desmond Ritter. Guess what? I'm correct. You shouldn't trust Desmond Ritter. He puts the ball in places precariously. It should not be. And outside of Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson, what does that team have? Not a lot right now. Other side, mm-hmm. new head coach, D'Amico Ryans, former defensive coordinator for this, the San Francisco 49ers, rookie quarterback, getting it done. The Texans offensively have had a lot of questions. Sometimes they're just passing the ball unbelievably so. Sometimes they rely on the ground game. If you're a Damian Pierce fantasy owner, this has been frustrating for you of a season. However, if you're a CJ Stroud, Tank Dell, Nico Hollins, it's been working out pretty well for you most weeks uh, because mm-hmm. he just peppers a single target. He just stares them down. He just continues to throw them 15 times a game. It's very reminiscent of like early uh, Justin Herbert when he was just feeding, feeding, feeding Mike Williams or Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler. So I love to see it. The Texans still, for me, have like a little bit of a stench around them because of the owner and the things he said about, you know, during the social justice movements, we can't let the inmates run the prison. Uh, culturally, there may be some things that D'Amico is still facing there, but I can take stock in what the team's done thus far. They're doing the work, and the team is changing a little bit. It's hard for a rookie quarterback to make it in this league. It really is. And for a rookie quarterback to come to a, such a bad team like the Texans and able to string any sort of competency together, offensively or defensively, um, I think it's great what they're doing. That being said, I think this is an easy pick for me. Texas Falcons, got to go Texans. Uh, I'm totally not picking with my heart here. I'm going to go Patriots, Saints. <laughs> Someone's going to win this game. <laughs> Uh, and I'm actually going to go, I am going to go Patriots in this no game shot. only because Derek Carr seems to be struggling, uh, getting things to go in the season. Mac Jones statistically is the better of the two quarterbacks, which is, uh, I, like, I can't wrap my head around it. Um, uh, I, I didn't realize Derek Carr has only thrown two touchdowns so far on the season. So, it's um, bad for Andy. They're. If nothing else, Belichick is great at looking at what your weaknesses are and trying to find ways to game plan around them. I'm not talking about the Saints. I'm talking about the Patriots themselves. And you can't help but think, like, with the minor successes they've been having uh, offensively and the huge successes they've had defensively, they got to be able to 
scheme and, and put out a couple of these wins. I think the Saints, even though they're two and two, I think that's that's like a, a, a an uncomfortable two and two. It's not like they're blowing anybody out. Um, I think if they're still trying to do the the Derek Carr, Taysom Hill sort of like plug him in type thing. Um, Taysom Hill doesn't have a touchdown he's thrown yet on the season either. So they're going to rely a lot on the run. I think the Patriots defense uh, has the ability to put a stop on it. And if you're forcing Derek Carr to try and pass, doesn't seem to be hitting it this year. Uh, so far this season, I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah. But something's up. Something's either not clicking. And I think they're going to be able to take advantage of that one. So I am going to go to New England, and I'll probably be explaining another loss next <laughs> week. But No, I, I actually think... I didn't see, I didn't see who they're going to call. I, I I saw that Belichick has already announced the starter. I'm assuming it's Mac Jones. I, I didn't read the article who? yet, but... Had to do it. Had to do it. Doesn't deserve it anymore. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you one here. Eggles Rams. Okay. Um, okay. The Rams gave a thumping to my beloved Seahawks week one. They should have been run out of town by the 49ers, yet somehow, second half, they decided to come back and put some points on. And while they've not looked overwhelmingly competent and exceedingly dangerous, that's what they are right now. Puganakua finally getting a touchdown to ice this game, right? But. No one, four weeks into the season, seems to know how to stop him. So all the hallmarks of that team are still there. Offensive genius, still have Aaron Donald on the, d- the defensive line. Like They're going to make plays. That's what scares me about this game. The Eagles went to OT because Riverboat Ron forgot when you're tied 31, you should probably just go for two on the road really upset things and you go to OT you can't stop them you don't get close enough to kick a field goal and Philly leaves with a win that being said the Rams need this game to show teams in the NFL that they need to be taken seriously I think more than the Eagles need to win this game the Eagles and the 49ers are the only two teams that are undefeated thus far but I think that changes you know you got to lose at some point Um, if there's a game you could stand to lose you lose it to you know, boy genius over there um, for the Rams. I, I, I think that's I think that's fine. I, I think this is a trap game for the Eagles, if I'm being completely honest, and I think that's what scares me the most about this. That's why I'm picking with the Rams, because I think that there's no way a Sam Howell-led Washington commander's team should take you, a Super Bowl team, to the brink. Should not happen. It just shouldn't. So if that's something that can happen, I think that Matt Stafford and Pukunakua, if Cooper uh, is able to come off of you know IR and, and begin practicing like that, that could change things as well. Kyron Williams with the Rams run game has been been running roughshod over some teams lately. So th- all those ingredients, dude. I'm just I'm reading the signs, and I'm not a betting person. Okay, we, we don't offer that kind of advice here. But I, I mean, depending what the money line is, I'm I might I might throw down a couple bucks on those. Los Angeles Rams, you never know. But I got to go Rams here just because I feel like this is too sneaky and I think it's early enough in the in the season for a trap game. Hmm. Um, I'm going to go back-to-back battle of the bads and I'm going to go Broncos <laughs> okay. Jets this time. <laughs> um, and I think there's a couple takeaways from this one. Russ is coming off a good game. They're playing at home. Um, they seem to be slowly figuring it out. Uh, but what I'm 
torn here is the Jets just went up against the Chiefs and almost came away with a yep. win. Like things are starting to click. They were riding uh they were they were riding that team uh incredibly well with Zach Wilson every time he would complete it, it they were like patting him on the back like he was a child, you know, coloring inside the lines, but he looked good for some of that game. Now, I'm not saying he's a good quarterback. I don't want anybody blown up uh, my, my DM saying I, I just said Zach Wilson was a good quarterback. <laughs> he did show some promise. He showed a little life. They went up against that team, and they held their own. Denver is not is definitely not Kansas City, and I think if they can go in with some of that same mindset, I think some of that same game planning, if Wilson has even a partial bit of that success, I feel like they could string some wins together. Both of these teams are one and three. Uh, stat line wise, because of last week, Wilson has, uh, uh, Russell Wilson, not Zach oh, Wilson, yeah. Russell Wilson has a better line so far through the first part of the season. But I think the Jets have a bigger upswing i think the broncos are going to continue to be that up and down team as long as russ is at quarterback unfortunately mm -hmm. uh so i think this one's going to be i think this one's going to be a jets win uh and i think it's, it'll probably be another close one it's probably gonna it's probably gonna require some heroics and maybe it's like a Brees hall type thing that would but be nice. Brees hall yep. Brees Hall only has 210 yards on the season he had a, a really strong game one and he thought oh, okay this is the guy uh, and then the entire running portion of that team fell off completely, mm -hmm. uh, which is great for me because I have I have a bet on the line that Brees Hall was going to end up with uh, more yards for that team than anybody else uh, in terms of the the running core. But yeah, I think this one's going to be another closer game than what we'd like. Um, I also, you know, if if <laughs> if Denver wins this one, I'm not going to be <laughs> completely shocked. This is another one of those gamble bets, but uh, I like what I saw, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean Jets for this one. All right. All right. The final game I will pick this week, Cardinals-Bengals. Let's take stock of another team, okay? If you had told me the beginning part of the season that the Bengals would be slumping as much as they are, I would have told you you're crazy. I would have thought there's no way. I would have thought even if it's a calf injury that uh, Joey B, Joe Shiesty, as they call him, uh, suffered in, in early training camp. Like, I don't care if he doesn't play preseason. I think he'll be fine. Guy's played a lot of competitive football. He should be okay. Jamar Chase actually saying to sports media, I'm open. I'm always fucking open. No. Well, let's take stock of where the Bengals were. A Super Bowl team a couple years ago. And let's take stock of where they are now with largely the same team. Going to fall on a lot of deaf ears if they cannot get some momentum going here. At 1-3, they're certainly not done. Okay, remember the 11-5 and five, Tampa Bay Buccaneers went on a miracle run, but they had the greatest quarterback of all time behind them. They had a defense that was played up with a lot of people. It was like a fantasy football team, okay? You can win when you do those sorts of things. You can win when you buy a championship team, Rams. You can win when you have an incredible, incredible defense and you have an otherworldly running back, Seahawks. You can't win... If you can't get out of the mid part of the season and you can't win a damn Super Bowl, if you can't slump out of these divisional games, and you surely can't win to get there, if all you're doing is making us wonder every single game when it's over, 
What did I just watch? Why is a guy that a few years ago gave us a great college football performance, then in the league, after injury, takes the team to a Super Bowl, almost wins the whole goddamn thing, and now you're just stumbling. Is there something that's on with this team? It, I, I don't know, right? But I, I think that the Cardinals, on the other side of this matchup, they've been ballyhooed, they've been written off, and they've had some really good stories, right? They caught a Dallas team sleeping. They've been able to put you know points on bunches where they needed to. Bengals, I'm picking you here with my heart because I need you to get shit together, okay? I don't care who gets the ball. Obviously, Jamar Chase does. That makes sense. Number one receiver is always going to want more of the ball uh, you know, thrown their way. So I get it. Bengals, you need to fix yourselves here. And I think this is a good get-right game. That's why I'm picking the Bengals because I think, you know, logically, they should be able to, to keep the Cardinals at bay. That being said, this might also be a real slippery game for the Bengals. If they cannot get out of their own way and they start slow again, you should not have lost to the Tannehills of the world. You just shouldn't. You're much better. On paper, your team is much better and can go toe-to-toe with contenders week in and week out. And I do not understand where the Bengals are right now. I don't think that they do either. And I hope that this week is like, uh, let's look at ourselves in the mirror and figure out what we got to do to get our shit together and go out and look like a serviceable football team. Uh, So I was torn between this last pick. Do I go with a layup just to get some points back? Of course not. I'm going to keep driving forward with some of these tougher <laughs> picks uh, and then make my comeback at the end of the season. That's what we're going to go okay. with. That's what okay. we're going to go with. Because I'm going to go Niners-Cowboys, because why not? Oof. Dak Prescott playing incredibly well. Uh, is just shy of 1,000 yards in the season so far. Um, but Brock Purdy and the Niners have been playing just a little bit better so far. Um, Purdy's already got a thousand yards. He's got five touchdowns on the season. Uh, he's 81 of 112. So the dude's playing some pretty phenomenal football so far. The Niners are one of the only two teams left undefeated along with the Eagles. Um, I think like when you compare these teams statistically across the board, they're almost identical. Uh, both defensively, offensively, Dallas is first in the league in terms of points allowed. They've only allowed 10.3. Uh, the third team in the league is San Francisco. So this is this is one of those that I think the matchup here to look at is McCaffrey because McCaffrey is playing at an all-star yep. level and Dallas uh, – and their defense seems to be, they're ranked second in the league, but it doesn't pass the eye test. Like, they average 114 yards per game. But it seems to be holes for quality players to make moves on, and I think this is one of those scenarios where uh, McCaffrey's the best running back they've had to go up against. Uh, They had to do literally no work last week against the Patriots. So um, that's going to artificially inflate some of their their numbers because, you know, you hold the team to 47 points, it's going to bring your average down a lot. Um, but the defensive rushing yards per game, 
uh, I'm sorry, they're not second. They're 19th in the league. So they're second in passing yards. Uh, but they tend to give up uh, more yards than uh, a lot of other teams that San Francisco has faced so far. I think this is one of those where I know Pollard, he's a little bit of a threat. Uh, San Francisco's run defense is third in the league. They average only 66 yards per game. So if you can hold Pollard down and you force San Francisco to throw the ball, uh, their passing defense hasn't been great. They're pretty mediocre there. But I think I think you remove the running game completely. It puts too much pressure on Dak to overcome, and I think you start to see some some chinks in that armor. I think San Francisco right now is a more well-rounded team, which sounds crazy to say on the back of a surprise rookie quarterback we didn't expect to see play, who's now starting. But McCaffrey, as long as he can stay healthy, is a dude you could just ride all the way through. I had him as a keeper, was concerned about uh, getting injured because he gets injured every year at some point or another, and he was really expensive, and it was an auction league, so I let him go. Uh, and I think I kept, who did I keep instead? Whoever I kept ended up on the uh, IR almost immediately. So uh, I'm losing that league. <laughs> I look like an idiot. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Niners in this case are going to put together a better game. I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining games of the weekend. And uh, I think of the two games, uh, I, I still think both teams are going to come out undefeated this week. I think it's going to be Eagles and Niners still. I think they're going to eke out a win against the Rams. But all right, for my pick, I got the Niners. That's uh, that's bold, Cotton. Let's see what it uh, let's see what it does for you. You know, I I appreciate you wanting to send it, if you will. Speaking of send it, let's let's talk a little bit here. You know, I, I I'm not. I was never really a huge golf fan. I've been playing the game now for a couple of years. I've been watching the game just a little bit. I got I got the the Peacock app. I've been watching some of these cups. I you know I saw Brian Harmon's rain soak win, um, and I watched a lot of the Ryder Cup this year. And after day number one, I didn't need to. After they got blown off of the tee box by the Europeans, there was some moments of what I would I would think just reeked of manufactured American drama. Hashtag Hackgate, um, and. There was a glimmer of hope, even though there really wasn't, because the, the game is on delay here for broadcast. All you have to do is go to the website or go into this thing called social media, and you can just find out who's winning the matches anyways. But, Tim, the U.S. team, not won on European soil for a long time. I get that the the home team where it's held, where, where, where the tournament is held every two years gets to kind of choose the way the course is set up and, and the, you know, the start time, but, like, the matches are made. You got to go out there and you got to play your best golf. Outside of Max Hama, the team got smoked. Smoked. How did they think with all those majors that they could go in there, take five weeks off from playing professional golf when Hovland was killing it, where Rory has been back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back final days, okay? And this is a guy who doesn't even watch fucking golf. And I'm like, yo, we're getting getting the the break speed office here. Thank you, Max, for trying to make it respectable in the end, but... Losing by five and a half points. What the fuck was Zach Johnson doing? I have a lot of questions about the U.S. wanting to really kind of make it about them. Like the whole, we only have one live player. And then Rory's comments, well, like they're not here for a reason. Yeah, because they don't play good golf. 
I mean, thank, thankfully Brooks won his, you know, his matchup on the final day because I think that would have dogged him for for as long as he lived. But like, Spieth with these weird, weird lip outs on his putts, the American team just not finding things to get going. And then when John Rom gets hot, which we've seen, and I, and I'm saying this watching golf for the last year, these are not the people you want to go against. And I don't care that we had six majors as a, as a country. We went against an entire continent of great golfers, and we. We took our foot off the gas. We were asleep at the wheel. Whatever you want to say about it, like you can complain about how the home team gets to stack the field in their favor. Like you select the team, you get the matches, you go out and you perform. I don't understand like why people think because golf is one of those sports that I understand that like when you're hot, you're fucking hot. And for Rory mm-hmm. to be number two, number two, number two, number two, top ten, top ten, top ten. That has to fall sometime, right? Either he falls off completely and the putter goes cold and nothing happens, or or what is a, a, a greater statistical thing to happen is he catches on fire. Hovland's been playing out of his mind in the last month. You're not playing any golf and you just decide to go over there and you think you can go toe-to-toe with him? I, I got a lot of questions, man. And I'm, I'm already pissed that this isn't for another two years. I don't even care that it comes back to the United States two years from now because if Tiger Woods isn't a fucking coach, I have serious questions about whether we're going to get laughed off the course and lose by another five points i'm heated yeah yeah i mean it's um it was a weird one to watch but only only if taken out of context in my opinion i mean the three of the biggest stars right now in golf were all on the european team victor hovland john Mm rahm and roy mcelroy uh it's great to see roy mcelroy have this resurgence he's had. He was the top scorer for the entire weekend. Um, the captain's picks on the American side all finished with uh, losing records. Yeah. 4, 12, and 4. It's bad. So, Super bad. Yeah, I mean, JT won one match. Uh, Jordan tied two of his matches. Fowler went 0-2. There was a weird decision to sit him all day at one point. There was, uh, there was one hole. Um, Late on, it was late on Sunday, where Zach Johnson comes up and tells Jordan Spieth to switch clubs from a driver to a fucking three infuriated me. I could like, not believe it. Plunks it like everybody. The broadcasters are like, "What are you doing? What are you, what are you talking about here?" And then Jordan ends up putting it in the water. Uh, I mean, that was that was one of a couple weird scenarios. I know there was a lot of uh, drama with. Cantlay and whether or not he wasn't wearing his hat because of money. He came out on the last day and said one person said that and the rumor mill took off. It's not true. It's never never been true. There hasn't been a word about it. I don't know what to make of that. But yeah, it just seems to be a team that came in kind of unprepared thinking this was going to be a walk in the park. A major run. I don't think there are any players on the lift roster that would have come in and made a drastic change. Uh, I know uh, when you look at the news and you see the golfers that are there and you see guys like uh, Bryson posting their wins, you got to remember they're playing against the same like 40 people mm-hmm. in a tournament setting. Yep. Where everyone makes money. Weekends. So it's not nearly the same as a PGA Tour event. It just isn't. So I don't think you would have fixed it. It's great to see Kepka come out and have some success. He still complained and was a douchebag. On numerous occasions, and I just don't understand why sometimes you could choose yeah. to just shut the fuck yeah. up and keep your opinion to yourself. You don't have to complain about 
pace of play or someone swinging their club. Shut the fuck just, up and worry about yourself. Just play golf. Like play golf. Just play golf. Do your thing. Stop forcing drama on yourself that doesn't need to be there. You don't have to make those comments. You could just judge the guy quietly like everybody else in the world does. But no, you feel that you are so important. You have to voice your opinion anytime it comes to your mind. You're like my fucking eight-year-old kid. Shut up. <laughs> play golf. And just let it go, man. Let it go. I, for one, am very glad that the team did not allow the Netflix cameras in for this. I'm very glad. Mm. Even though season three of Full Swing would have been fire, would have been lit, as the kids say, uh, I did not want to watch this again. Burn this tape. Burn this tape. Uh, you got a couple years. It's back in the United States. I hope we have a much better showing, but like Hovland's young. Rory might be on the back night of his career, but like, some of those other European golfers well, are not going away anytime soon. So, like, maybe don't talk a whole bunch of shit and write checks that your ass can't cash no matter what continent you're on, personally. Yep. That's just my thing. Let's finish out this episode, Tim. Uh, you brought up, uh, or just right before we got into production here, uh, that there has been an update to a one Trevor Bowers uh, case. And I, I think this is important for us to do. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm going to still stand... Behind everything that I've said, you know, in the beginning on, the, on that episode. Um, that being said, you know, new things have come to light. There's obviously been, you know, legal filings that have, that have happened since then. So I think we owe it due diligence wise to just sort of revisit the topic and, you know, sort of give our take on updates of where we are now. Yeah. So we had some pretty harsh criticism when it first came out. I was part of that criticism. I think we both generally agreed where there's smoke, there's fire. But in an interesting turn of events, um, I think it was either today or, or, or yesterday, Trevor Bauer made a, uh, a Twitter post, an X post, um, captioned, after two years, I'm finally able to talk about it. And what he had to say and what he had to show was pretty damning in terms of what everyone's expectations were versus what was actually happening behind the scenes. And my concern is that that kind of shed some um, uh, doubt across some of these other stories and maybe even beyond that. Like, we won't go that far yet, but essentially the too long didn't read version, um, everything that kind of went down the woman from San Diego, California, had uh, attempted to file a restraining order, which was declined. Um, he then felt, because uh, she was, and this came out right from the beginning, he felt he was being taken advantage of, He was, she was trying to extort him for money, uh, he sued, and her response was to counter-sue. And at first, her legal counsel kept coming up and saying, hey, let's settle. Here's our payment suggestion. He said, no, I'm not paying a dime. I didn't do any of this. So, court proceedings continued. And then, a whole bunch of information that her team had been holding on to was given to his team. And suddenly, the negotiations came up. The next settlement offer was, hey, what if we all just drop the case? 
and because he knew that there was no way, even if he won, she would ever have the money to cover his legal expenses alone, let alone any damages or whatnot. He said, fine, let's drop it. However, I retain my right to speak about this case and talk about what we have and why her legal team chose to sign that dotted line or why she chose to sign is beyond me because man the stuff that has come out is is pretty aggressive so there's conversations via text message that uh, her defense team had and did not relinquish at any point in any conversation doesn't sound like they gave it to the MLB when the MLB was doing their investigation either. But the long and short of it is, I met this guy. He's a professional pitcher. We're going on a date. What should I do? The following after the date, she said, wow, his net worth is $51 million. Get that bag. I think it was the former Padres pitcher, I think he said. A former pitcher was encouraging her to get money in which she said I'll give you 50,000 but essentially the conversation was I'm going to try and get money out of this guy I think the quote was I just need daddy to choke me out was how she described it uh, and then the most damning bit of all of it is she had originally released uh, a photo of her when she went to uh, the police the next morning saying that she was scared for her life she wanted to just get away from it all uh, and appeared to have bruises on her face. However, they have a photo that they got from her cell phone, along with all these other conversations, of them in bed the following morning, him asleep, eye mask on and everything, has no idea what's going on. She's recording him, and then cuts to her face smiling, bruise-free, damage-free, zooms in on her face, and gives a little bit of a frown. Like an hour, and this was ended up being about an hour or so before she left his house, and then everything kind of transpired afterwards. And since then, because the internet's undefeated, there are videos being posted of this woman, like at various events, and she is batshit crazy. Uh, I'll let I'll let you guys do the searching, but find the video of her at a concert. And the crazy in her eyes when she is talking to whoever it is. There's a, a male figure there that she's talking to. And she gets right in his face in a crazy slash rage that looks like it's in her face. She then turns to talk to someone who's trying to defuse the situation until she doesn't like what that girl says. And she gets the same look on her face until she's escorted away from security. And then she starts freaking out and shaking the gates and like it's not a good look coming off of all of this. Uh, I had seen that there was some conversation about a, a $300,000 payout. Never came from Trevor. It ended up coming from like a balloon insurance policy that helps protect uh, legal findings, li libel, and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I know we said smoke and fire and all that, but but Sam and I were, were curious, so we looked at the other two cases, too. And each one of them have question marks that kind of go along with it that don't necessarily pertain to this, so we don't have to dive too deep into it. But in one case, uh, as soon as legal action was threatened, she dropped everything. The other case, she supposedly had video, but decided not to show it to the MLB for some reason. 
um, but still contends to have this as part of uh, like her case against him. But man, this one is this one's really tough because we were really hard on him. I was really hard on him, and the fact that this might be one of those scenarios that a lot of people talk about where one it kind of invalidates the real cases because now you have this sort of cloud over everything but two when it comes to being a celebrity or someone who's got some high profile stature behind him how many times this might have happened right i don't want to project i don't want to i don't want to guess i don't want to do any of that stuff this one just feels like a very strange direction for one of these conversations to go in to have somebody who everyone thought was like this dude is a shitbag he got suspended from the mlb for two years which also makes me wonder if the video wasn't shown this woman ended up assuming or or apparently lying about it like what did they have that was so so damning that they suspended him for two seasons or was this to get ahead of it for when things did happen i i think there's a couple things to say here in this particular instance with this particular person right that made these charges right it is very reminiscent of the zeke elliott uh case from a few years ago where eventually text messages came out and said yes i'm going to make the whole thing up and i'm just going to try and shake him down for money which the text messages definitely show that here there's metadata in this particular case right uh, I think mm-hmm. Bauer has some relief in the fact that he can say, yes, he can point to it and say, from a legal standpoint, right, There's, I was found not guilty, and we've settled this case, and there's not information there. I, I'm not still saying there's smoke, there's fire. I'm saying that The Athletic and The Washington Post also had other open, active investigations, and there were other women who have come forward. That being said, just because you win this particular one does not mean that your carte blanche just off the other. Yeah, are there question marks in these cases who may or may not be legally dubious? Yes. That being said, I don't think three organizations, the MLB, WAPO, the Athletic, I don't think they all put their reputations on the line to publish knowingly false things. So I believe that there is something that's sort of in the middle there. I, I don't think that it's possible, and I've said this in the same thing with the Deshaun cases, there's 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 not a group of women that just decide to come together and say, we're all going to go and fucking screw the same guy over. I, I just don't believe that, right? In this particular instance, yes, there's evidence to say specifically, this is what I'm going to do this individual. That's despicable because, as you mentioned, it does prevent the severity of these cases from being accepted and from people who are actually, you know, subject to these horrible, horrible things from being taken seriously. That's the problem when you have these cases that get turned over like this. Um, so I'm not I'm not ready to to wipe the slate clean for Trevor until there's those other things that have been resolved. You know what I mean? For, for me, this mm-hmm. particular one. Yep. I got a little heated on it. Now everything has come to light, and the fact that there's a settlement, and for some reason, their legal team agreed to sign something that allowed him to make a statement about it, but they're not going to. I mean, that that yeah. to me is is the most damning part of this. Um, but I still stand behind the the original intent of it. So I, I'd be very interested to see what is going to happen for the MLB going forward, because like you said, like what happened? Like they gave a 394 game suspension. The the league uh, players union pushed back. The arbiter came back from 300. To 160, and then first 50 without pay before he was released and then reinstated. Now he's pitching, you know, internationally. So like MLB, I hope I hope you had your ducks in a row on this one because this looks yeah, like a bit fat fucking L for you. Yeah, something feels off, and I 
Well, I don't think everybody is out to get somebody. I don't think that's. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that's always the case. I don't. I don't know how the athletic, who is you know a sports writing agency generally, or like some of these other ones, how they would have the same access or more access to somebody, without saying that maybe there was some maybe attempts to start him or or who who knows what's going on. It just seems weird that the moment like legal action was part of the conversation, the second case was like no 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 never mind. Never mind. I, I, I felt so strongly I was going to get a restraining order, which you could have gotten a restraining order without any of the legal action and just said, tough. But the moment le- the, the legal action came into play, which is what happened in this case, where they finally got information given to them and they were just like, no, 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 we're going to pursue this legal action. They also backed out. So makes me wonder if, like, I hate to say people, like, I would imagine that. In a lot of these cases, there are true victims that are there, but I, I'm not beyond, I'm not ignorant enough to say that there probably aren't other people who might be trying to cash in on it, who may have had a relationship with somebody who said, "Oh shit, well, when is he getting handed out? Maybe I'm going to take it. Maybe that's like one percent of the time, or, or whatever." Yeah. We see that it's a a percentage of the time in this case. Like we know that now it is part of that we saw with elliot that it is part of it so we can't say it's zero percent there is a percentage of this that does happen and it makes me wonder how big or small that percentage may be and i hate to be the guy who's on that side of the conversation thinking about that stuff because i'm 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 fully supportive of anybody who feels that they've been slighted or wronged or forced into a situation or Anything that made him uncomfortable, I'm here for all of that. Problem is, every time one of these stories comes out, it casts just maybe a little bit of a shadow over some of those stories, especially the ones that come out strong and then quickly fizzle out. Like, screw this guy. This is what he did to me. Okay, well, let's go to court and figure this out. It it's it's an no, I'm good. It's super unfortunate, right? It's it's yeah. that part of if you ever watched the show uh, Ballers on HBO. Um, mm, where, you know, a, a part of that storyline is about, you know, being sh- shook down by people for money. And it's this open yeah. secret that we sort of allow in the entertainment business. Um, and we're like, oh, sucks for those people. They get paid so many millions of dollars. They should have not put themselves in those positions. And it's not yeah. always that easy. Um, and it's not always the truth as, as we're seeing from that. Right. So I do feel like it's good to clear up. I mean, I, I certainly understand your stance of it. Again, not letting the guy off the hook until I. I clearly see the, yeah. the dust on, on everything else because I just don't think that that many people would corroborate stories. I mean, we, we can't even really decide what color a dress is if it's yeah. you know black and well, black and blue or white and gold. Let, so. We we can't say corroborate because that's not the word, but come out with similar right, stories. Right, right. Yeah. So I don't know. Do we get it wrong there? Mostly on that particular case, uh, you know. But it is good. We do want to, you know, obviously. We're a podcast the people and the yeah. people need to hear, you know, what's current and out there for news. So I think we uh my last yeah. note shout out Las Vegas to police department finally issuing an arrest in the Tupac Shakur murder case. I know. Wild. It's crazy. Um, I haven't even looked at the details of it yet to see like how they came to the conclusion, but uh what I have not seen is a lot of information coming out counter to mm-hmm. it. So Yeah, so the guy apparently that I mean, it's just based on what I read on the on the interwebs. Wayne, yeah, Kifa D. Davis. Yeah. 
Wrote a book about it. No. Yeah. And then the FBI raided his home. Or is it the FBI or the or the the police, something like that? Like uh, you know, I don't I don't think that uh it's gonna give the Shakur family or you know, any anyone else, like I mean, no. it, it, it's still a still a tragic event from decades ago. But uh, yeah, you know, we we do appreciate when when things like that finally come to an end and there, and there is some sort of closure, no matter how long it takes. I think that's something that's about you know the American spirit and not wanting to give up. I, I do think those are those are good things. So I, there's a lot of people who are like, ah, we we wouldn't we've we've known this for years. Well, there's there's a difference between watching a lot of YouTube conspiracy videos and reading Reddit boards and then having a, a no shit confession or you know documents that prove it. So yeah, yeah we'll wait to see how it shakes out because if there's a guy writing it in the storybook just to get some clout and sell some some copies, that's going to be unfortunate. Yeah, who but. knows? All right, that'll All right, that'll do it for this episode of Stats Murder Podcast. It's in the books. We will talk to you next time. Peace. Peace.